we start by uh, you guys, you want to introduce yourselves a little bit? Sure. Uh, I'm Greg Pevelconti. I'm one half of the Library Land Project and of the PR agency Sharp Orange. And I am Adam Zand. I am also co-founder and uh, patron of Library Land Project and a co-founder and principal of a PR agency in Boston called Sharp Orange. You can find it more at our website, librarylandproject.com. Okay, and what is uh, the Library Land Project? Could you can, how can you describe it as a for the layperson like myself? Uh, the Library Land Project is it's an extended road trip in Massachusetts and beyond. Yeah, I mean it's a, an unexpected adventure in in uh, Massachusetts libraries. Mm -hmm. It's been one of the most unlikely and most awesome uh, experiences in my professional life. Basically what we've done is just come up with a mission to go to every public library in Massachusetts. Well, hang on a sec there, Adam. Why don't we roll back the tape a little bit and talk about why we started or how we started. We can do that. The question was, what is Libraryland Projects? Yeah. So yeah, if you want the origin story, Greg is right. We, as I mentioned, we have a PR agency Mm -hmm. We've both been in the PR world for about 26 plus years and formed our own agency two years ago. And we didn't necessarily want office space or WeWork or shared office space. And we didn't want to work in our homes. And uh, Starbucks wasn't really an option. So when we wanted to have our first meeting to kind of plan what the agency should look like and how the website should function and just our approach, we looked at a map. Greg lives in Natick. I'm in Arlington. And Newton seemed to be sort of in the middle of those two lovely uh, locales. Mm -hmm. And we'd both been to the Newton Free Library before. And we said, let's, let's meet at the Newton Free. We got a study room. Free parking. Yeah, we walked in. We, it, was, it was a very productive meeting. We figured out all those things, the website, our approach. And we sort of left saying, hey, let, let's do this again. Let's go to another library. Maybe not necessarily this one, but yeah. let's check out something else. So... We started going to more libraries. I think we went to a, to Waltham, to Weston, uh, to Wellesley. What? Weston's nice. Weston's got a beautiful yeah. library. And Wellesley as well. Uh, yeah. I mean, all. I mean, we love libraries. Yeah. So yeah. You name a library, we we're love gonna it. love it. <laughs> yeah. How many in Massachusetts have you uh, have you been to? Two hundred and eight. And how many are there? Uh, four hundred and between fifty and eighty. Ish. Yeah, we have this. You know, we have a list that we got from the Mass Board of Library Commissioners. Right. It lists some libraries that are actually community libraries. So we're going to try to visit all of them. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, how do you plan out your trips? Uh, is it? Uh, I, think, uh, I think when we started, it was it was kind of dependent on our clients. So we had a client. Um, they were in Woburn. Or the, uh, no, they were in Burlington. So we went to their site, we went to their office, and we said, hey, we're nearby a couple of libraries, let's check them out. Mm -hmm. So we do these sort of concentric circles around client sites, but then it, it, we were able to branch out and kind of plan our day where we could maximize maybe doing two or three in one day mm -hmm. in, a, in a region of Massachusetts. Obviously, you know, given where we both live, the, the sort of 128 uh, loop mm -hmm. ring road yeah that was the first thing we got uh, through we were kind of easy to knock that out um, um, go ahead yeah now 
we, you know, as Adam says, we do plan. You know, we've done a couple of trips to the Cape. We're in the process of planning uh, a couple of days out in the Berkshires and hoping to really get a lot of libraries done. Uh, you know, we started this thing, as Adam said, because we needed an office space. And I, I think because we're curious people, we, we kept going. And then at a certain point, we realized, wow, like libraries are doing really amazing things. Mm-hmm. And that's what really what kicked the, the project into kind of a higher gear. Um, you know, we started doing more formal ratings of the libraries. We started, um, you know, taking, you know, photographs of the libraries. We started writing about them. And this past March, we launched uh, the Library Land Project website, which co- consolidates, you know, where we've been, our reviews. We launched a uh, an Instagram uh, account, okay. which is proving to be super popular. Uh, that's Library Land Project uh, on Instagram. And then recently launched a Facebook page, and people have really uh, have really gravitated to the idea of the project and uh, and what we're doing. So it's it's been really fun. That's what the project is, and that's how we got here. Right. What kind of criteria do you do you well, we have evaluate a, the library? Yeah, we have eleven, and I'm not sure if we'll remember them all, but we'll try. Um, it, it's our user experience, so it's sort of you, you drive in, you find this town, and the first thing you have to deal with is parking. Or transportation in general. Yeah, transportation in general. For us, we're usually driving, yeah. but in our ratings, we kind of look at where the buses and trains might be. But in general, we, we hopefully would find free parking. If it's not free, um, you know, it's uh, substantially reduced. Um, and it, it, we kind of try to evaluate, okay, what is this community? What's the size of the community? Is there enough parking to support this library? I mean, some libraries, the lots are empty. Some of them are overflowing. Right. So par- transportation is one, criteria, is yeah. one piece. Yes. Does the Wi-Fi? Yeah, we walk in. We want to be able to mm-hmm. get onto Wi-Fi pretty sure. easily, whether there's a password, whether there's not. That sort of gives it a little criteria and sometimes the signal's not as strong as it should be if yeah. we've had some problems depending on what part of the library we're in. So um, we need to go into such detail on all of these criteria. <laughs> okay, which ones do you <laughs> well, want to pick out? Well, well, he wants to know what they are. So Yeah, 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 go through them. Well, I don't know them all either. Oh, we do have our... There's completeness. Why don't you, you, you should so, go into completeness. Yeah, completeness is one that gets a lot of questions because, you know, to us, completeness is, you know, the collection the library has, you know, mm-hmm. books, DVDs, CDs. It's you know, the library of things, if they're participating in that, which a lot of people aren't familiar with, but libraries are letting you take out, um, you know, Adam just checked out a Roomba from the Mills Public Library. Wow. Yeah. So. They also have a carpet cleaner, but that was out. That's always out, apparently. I, I, I was mm-hmm. going with the Roomba anyway. We've got hardware. <laughs> we don't need that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we look at, at, at completeness. We look at the condition of the library, um, you know, we used to call that cleanliness, but then we realized there's more to maintaining the physical space than just cleaning. Uh, so we looked at, you know, what is the overall condition? Um, we want to know about meeting rooms. We used to be pretty hardcore sticklers to say, you, you know, to get a great score, you had to have private meeting rooms. We realized that you can do plenty of work just out in the open uh, as long as you're respectful. Um, we look at friendliness. We love talking to library staffs and directors. Yeah. And uh, so th- those are the types of things we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I sort of, at least in my experiences, see a, you know, there's some libraries that are really historic. They're really beautiful. 
uh, amazing architecture and just you walk in and just get this sort of yep. sense yeah. of history and then there's these other libraries that are like new and they're they have this beautiful you know whole different experience to them and I just wonder if you guys uh, in your your travels see a lot uh, it, you know on that spectrum. I, th Absolutely. I think you've nailed it. I mean, especially since we we all live in Massachusetts, there's there's sort of these time periods almost of libraries. So, a library. Um, well, I'm actually going to combine a new and an old together. So, a library like Woburn, uh, building from what the late 1880s. Yeah. Uh, the original building, beautiful brown Romanesque sort of structure. Um, was being renovated for upwards of two years and we went to the uh, reopening on a, a pretty chilly like winter day there was close to a thousand people Jason like for the opening mm. of this library and it beautifully <laughs> combines a renovated older section beautiful mahogany woods and uh, older stacks and two by levels with this beautiful modern I don't know, I'll call it a wing. It's probably not the correct term. Yeah. It almost encompasses the old building and seamlessly joins with it as well. Um, beautiful study rooms and great Wi-Fi, and it, it's, it's, a, it's a special place. So th th there's, you know, maybe that's the 1890s and the sort of early age. We see a lot of Carnegie libraries, which is sort of turn of the last century to like 1930. And then there seems to be like a, the various period of boom yeah, period I mean, constructions that we've noticed. There's, we're actually getting pretty good at knowing when a library is from when we walk in. Okay. Um, you know, there's a, only a handful of mid-century libraries around. A lot of those have seen more renovations. Um, we see a lot of brutalist libraries. You know, what's big, that? What's that? Uh, brutalism mm, 60s, was an architectural 70s, so. uh, school in the late '60s and early '70s. It's the Boston Public Library is sort of the classic example, as is Government Center in Boston, of brutalist architecture. Um, okay. So Lawrence, we saw the Lawrence, Lawrence is, is another example. Yeah. Um, Foxborough was. Yeah, I was gonna. Okay. Uh, it's been renovated and reskinned, so it's a little, uh, a little less brutalist, but it still is at its core. Um, then in the '80s and '90s, you had sort of big municipal buildings. Um, not municipal. Like Newton Free is a great example. It was built in the '90s. It's a wonderful library. Um, but it was built before people reimagined what libraries could be. And that's really something that happened in the, sort of the, the early to mid-2000s. Once, once libraries got their heads around what the internet meant, mm -hmm. what digital information meant for libraries and their, and their, and their users, um, after that happened, there's just been this beautiful renaissance of amazing civic buildings uh, for libraries. Uh, you know, Adam talked about Woburn. That new edition is just a perfect example of that. You can learn more about us at librarylandproject.com. We also have Instagram, Library Land Project, and Facebook, Library Land Project. So I have, you know, actually with my daughter, one day we had a vacation day and I didn't really have anything planned. So we actually just went to different libraries on oh. like a trip. And it's it. so much fun yeah. to see these. Uh, all these different libraries. Has there been anything maybe that has surprised you at a library or? Can we talk briefly? Uh, we did a, a longer tour than you did. We, yeah. we started in Savannah, Georgia, uh, where my parents live in the winter. We picked up a car and we did a very circuitous route back to Boston. We went uh, west to Alabama. We went over to New Orleans. Uh, we looped up around Tennessee. 
We had to skip Mississippi because on the day we were traveling yeah. through Confederate Memorial Day. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's best left unsaid. Uh, worked our way over eventually to Library of Congress, which is an extraordinary building and experience if, if for people who get down to DC um, and, and looped up to New Jersey. And I guess kind of like you probably did, we, we, we've started to think about, well, what, what purpose do these buildings serve in, in their communities? And a lot of times it is those, those conversations with librarians and asking them, what's special about your library? What's special about this community? What kind of things are you doing in the community to kind of feel more part of it? So yeah. kind of a, a loose way of saying, we do the same thing you did, um, and, and we're trying to pick up uh, on the way the sort of anecdotes and, and pictures and the moments that make these places special to people. But some of the things we've seen that you know weren't expected mm -hmm. and that were interesting, I, I think the first time we went to the, um, the Fox Library in Arlington and uh, saw... Uh, kids reading to dogs. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I wasn't expecting that. It was it was awfully cute, but uh, not expected. Um, we've also though seen things, you know, that are unexpected in, in other ways. Uh, we were in Pembroke recently, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, it's an it's a beautiful library. It was built, you know, in the early two thousands. Um, and I was talking to the director there, and she mentioned that that their library is a is a, an emergency shelter. And that back in March, they were open 24 hours a day for five days uh, during a weather event, not just for uh, folks in the town, but for their pets as well. Um, so they'd be a library until 5 or 8 o'clock, and then at 8 o'clock, they'd switch over to a shelter. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that is sort of the community role that Adam was talking about uh, in a really unexpected way that's really valuable for the community. Right. Uh, also, libraries... I'm going back to my experience when I, when I lived up in Lowell, um, Beautiful. which is yeah, yeah wonderful library, library. Yeah. and the library kind of is a, you know, is a building that is an intersection of so many different sort of pe people in the community where yes. you know you get you get a certain diversity, yep. and um, you know people at different maybe stations in their life uh, that you get that you don't get at any other. Um, yeah, they're the place. only civic institution that's really open to everybody equally. Mm -hmm. You know, police and fire are available to all of us. They're super valuable. <laughs> but most people don't want to be interacting with the police or fire departments every day mm -hmm. in a professional capacity. Uh, libraries, though, yeah, you're right. It is for everyone. It's probably more likely for us to talk to the staff and the, the librarian especially. Mm -hmm. But what, what, why don't you talk about the, the gentleman we met up in Lowell since, since Jason brought up Lowell. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could remember all the, his name, <laughs> but we um, we'd been to Lowell a couple of times, and we went into their the reference and reading room, which uh, is a beautiful two story room. And you've been there; it has these enormous paintings of a uh, of General Grant in various Civil War uh, situations, culminating with the uh, Appomattox, and you know we were. We were told the story that these had been part of a cyclorama. They had been perhaps at Gettysburg at one point, and the library acquired them uh, in the early 20th century. Um, so we were there admiring these paintings, and we met a gentleman who had made it his uh, life's work to to go through the town records and accurately uh, 
identify each building, its ownership, its it, its use uh, in the city. He was doing this as a volunteer for the Park Service. Uh, but to see someone with that passion and that focus, being able to use this resource um, and share that, but there's no other institution in the city that you could that, that would happen. Um, it's really unique to the library. And he was happy to engage with us and tell us the story of the paintings, to tell yeah. us the story of his research, uh, and to talk about interesting things that he'd come across. It's, it's really special. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you've discovered in your travels about the uh, support I guess you're seeing like, you know, I know everyone always talks about tough economic times and, you know, our library is getting the support you think they need to thrive. I mean, libraries are, are, are generally well supported, but they could always be better supported. Um, you know, there are, are new demands on their time and on resources and, you know, their communities need to support them. The state needs to support them. Um, you know, we've seen many libraries where Folks are doing the best they can with what they have and could certainly do more with do better with more mm -hmm. uh, But we've also seen You know Webster is a is an example of a community that really united to, to build a library um, mm -hmm. You know Webster is a it was an old shoe town um, Whose main employer Bates shoes left uh, I think in the 70s uh, but they just opened the most incredible library that we've seen, the, the first library to which we gave a perfect score. Um, and they raised, you know, a lot of money. No kidding, uh, in, in Webster. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful yeah. library. The it, it, architects it, is Odin's LO. We, we've met with them uh, basically because of, they noticed a uh, Facebook post or they noticed a blog post where we, we gave a shout out to the, the Gladys Kelly is the name of the library yeah, in and Webster. People should go see that. Uh, you know, it is off the beaten path. It's not a place that people would generally probably go to, uh, but it's worth going to see because, you know, they raised money through the state. Uh, the Friends raised a million dollars, and, uh, you know, they really did a, a great job of, of fundraising and building just an, an amazing place. Mm -hmm. uh, is there a... I mean, we talked about the libraries being old in Massachusetts, having great history. Is there... A, what's a... Is there a first, uh, oldest library in Massachusetts <laughs> so or we, first, uh, first library? So we did 100 libraries in 2018 as, as part of the project and as part of our day jobs. Yeah. And on December 31st, New Year's Eve day, um, we wound up in Franklin, which I guess maybe we'd driven through. I don't think I'd spent a lot of time there. And you, you wind up at this extraordinary library, and I'll, I'll get around to their claims, but it, it's sort of shaped like a, a Greek temple, a, a very high ceiling in the older section and sort of a circuitous route to get through with artwork everywhere. <clears throat> and in their main reading room, there's a beautiful long, uh, it, I think it's processional to the Oracle, which I kind of like is this mm. quest for knowledge um, and, and beautiful study areas. That library has, what, three sections? Yeah, they had one in the 80s. They had one in the uh, 19th century, one in the uh, in the 80s or 90s, and a new one that's only a couple years old. Yeah. So, uh, so you're walking in the older section, and you see this older bookcase and maybe even a bookcase behind glass that is from Benjamin Franklin, part of his book collection, which he gave 
to the town. Okay. This is where it gets a little this sketchy. Is where, yeah, wait, this is Go where ahead. details a little Yeah, bring me back. Bring me back. <laughs> so th that town was originally going to be called uh, Essex, I believe. And Franklin had just signed a treaty, done some terrific negotiation. Ben with the French. Franklin you're talking yeah. about, not the town. Not the town. Ben Franklin, mm -hmm. uh, one of our founding fathers. <laughs> um, and the town decided, why don't we change the name to Franklin and send a note to Ben and ask him for a gift. So they sent a letter requesting a church bell. And uh, Franklin wrote back saying, you know, rather than giving you a, a bell, essentially a call to, to worship, uh, I, I'm going to give you a library, uh, kind of a path to knowledge. And it wasn't actually his personal library. He sent an agent, or he contacted yeah. an agent in London to do the purchasing for him and sent over uh, this library. That library is still there. I mean, it's a shelf, as Adam said. That's their claim to being the oldest library. Oldest huh. collection, maybe. Uh, you know, right. that's it, from the uh, 1790s. Yeah. So, uh, but they, you know, they have the, ol the oldest collection in the state, uh, right. for sure. All right. Um, so I'm, I'm curious if there is other things that you want to touch on. I do have another question on my end. Hmm. Um, how about... You know what makes a great library, and, and mm -hmm. you, you talk about those sort of four levels. Yeah, of... you know we we have been asked um, we're asked by libraries oftentimes now to come in and, and talk about our experiences, and uh, you know one that we've given thought to is the question of what makes a great library, and great libraries come in all shapes and sizes. They're in every kind of community. So you know a lot of people think wealth makes a great library, and uh, we're not going to argue that that helps, but that's not an assurance. To us, the four things that really matter is having a, you know, a great director uh, with a vision and a staff that supports that person. Uh, it's having uh, you know, a friends group and a foundation uh, and trustees who support that vision and are able to activate their community, which is the third piece, um, to, to raise funds and support uh, the library and its efforts. And then the fourth is, is a town management. Uh, the town manager or city manager plays an incredibly important uh, role in, in helping libraries thrive. And I think if you have those four things, you know, a director, uh, the, the, trust, the friends, trustees and foundations, the public, and then city and town government, those are really the things that are behind great libraries. Okay. I, I was really fascinated um, by this whole project. Uh, Adam, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh, no? Um, all right. Well, then, I guess my question be was prompted by what you had said about uh, the library in Webster, um, you know, making libraries as a destination. Are there any other libraries that are in maybe communities that people don't necessarily oh, tend to visit? I'll, I'll uh, give a, um, it, it, I'll give a favorite, um, Nahant. I knew you were going to do that. So you, 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 have you been to Nahant? No. You know, you, it's it's sort of a it. circuitous route to even get there. I, I, loosely speaking, you sort of head to Revere, and then there's a road Dickle, heading right. south. And you're on a isthmus. Yes. You're you're on a road that has water on both sides at some point. Isthmus, and yeah. yeah, you wind up at, at this uh, beautiful. It almost looks like an English manor house. Fairly small, not not huge, but park parking was easy. We walked in, and we were greeted by this incredibly friendly staff who you know quickly appreciated what we were up to. And they took us to something that's a bit of a rarity in, in Massachusetts or probably the country now. They have um, where the, you know, traditionally 
circulation libraries were a little different. You used to go to a desk and you used to put in your slip, this is the book I want, and the librarian would go into the stacks and bring it back. So what makes this one a little bit unique, it, it's probably pre-electricity or around the time of electricity, they have glass stacks. So where the books are kept on these beautiful wrought iron shelving yeah. is, on, is on these thick blocks of... of the floors are glass. Yeah, the, the floors are glass, transparent, allowing light well, through. Mm -hmm. Opaque. Sure. Um, but a, a fun sort of out-of-the-way place, not, not too out-of-the-way if you live in Boston, yeah, um, right. but something we weren't expecting to, to see, and, and uh, now we're sort of on a quest to find these, these glass floors. Um, where's the other one in Massachusetts? The There's one in Clinton. Uh, that's a closed stack. You can't get back right. to see those floors. And they, yeah, I, I had told them, like, oh, we saw the one in the hunt, and they were willing to open the door to like, uh -huh. let me peer in. Someday... I imagine we'll see those floors. Right. Yeah. What's a what's a gem for you? You know, one of the real gems for me is uh, the the library in Adams. Uh, it's way out on the other side of the state. Yeah. Um, it was built towards the tail end of the nineteenth century. The cornerstone was laid by um, President McKinley, who was friends with the, the the prominent family in Adams, whose name escapes me. Maybe it was Adams. Um, and uh, that library, it's a sort of a yellow stone building. The second floor of that library has the uh, a Grand Army of the Republic Hall, basically a veterans hall for Civil War veterans that is in its original condition with its original furniture. Um, and it was just so unexpected and such a, an amazing room. Um, that's one, if people are out in the birches, if they're going up to Mass Mocha or Tanglewood, you make the trip up to Adams and look at that library and look over that room. Um, it really says something about, you know, civic life at different points in American history. Uh, it's definitely worth a visit. I'll, I'll do one more. Uh, it will head all the way east. So uh, Provincetown we went to about a month ago. And, uh, you know, you go to Provincetown. Uh, parking was a little difficult, but we found it eventually. You wind up in this library, a three-story library, and they're very proud of one architectural feature, which is a half-scale schooner, a racing schooner called the Rose Doria. Um, it, and it's within the building, and they've had to remove some of the... It, it was a historical um, museum, and as part of the bicentennial, I believe, this was a project that they came up with. Let's, Not let's the library. Put, let's put a boat inside of the historical museum. Eventually, it became the library. And it, it's a nice touch. It's a great photo op. Unfortunately, I mean, it, they don't use it. Like, to me, I was like, oh, could you do like a nautical-themed reading group there? Or, um, and they said no, because you know, there's issues of sight lines. You know, you've got um, you know, a pretty diverse community using uh, the library, and they're just like, it's just to look at. And it just seems like a very big thing to look at, but it's beautiful. It's totally beautiful. Great, great. So if you're interested, if people can visit, is it librarylandproject.com? Dot com, absolutely. Yeah, and, and the same as Greg said earlier. Uh, we, we tagged the same way on Instagram, pretty, pretty active group there, and uh, Facebook as well. Okay. And so um, do you have events? Like, do you do present? You said you do some presentations yeah. for the public as I, well. Is apparently, that... we're going to be doing some. We're going to read to uh, some children uh, 
at the Ames Parade. And, yeah, yeah and East later and, today. So we're yeah. looking forward to that. But yeah, we're, we're talking to the Worcester um, Library Foundation. They've got a pretty major renovation that, that we um, were invited out to. Um, we're, we're speaking to, eventually, we're going to speak to the, the team out in Webster. We're going to talk to Situate about co-working within libraries and we have how those meetings. spaces can be designed. Next week, we're going to be meeting with a couple of different libraries on the Cape about renovation projects and plans they have. So yeah, we're, we're being invited to, to share what we've learned, mm -hmm. uh, both with the library community and then you know our big goal is sharing this with the, the broader public, because people really need to reconsider the library and it's, it's raw. Do you still feel like people have misconceptions or oh, yeah. about the library? Yes. Yeah, our friends and family. People <laughs> think libraries are big buildings filled with books. Yeah. And why do you need big buildings filled with books when you can have an e-book or you can go on Amazon? And the reality is, if you think libraries are big buildings about books, you need to go to a, a library and <laughs> see what it is now. Right, because they're yeah, you know, they're like commu they're community centers. They are absolutely community they serve centers. Serve all those purposes. They're media centers, media production. There's yep. you know maker spaces. There's passport offices. There's yeah. uh, virtual reality. There's uh, full size looms in maker spaces. There's, <laughs> there's so much. There's seed banks. You can go in and, and get seeds if you're a gardener. Where where can you do that? Oh, several several. Um, <laughs> um, uh, Framingham. Framingham has it. Uh, Wellesley has it. Yeah. Uh, huh. I think the Acton Citizens Library has it. Yeah. I mean, that's actually, a, you know, we were surprised the first time we heard about it. Yeah. It's pretty common. Uh, it's a great idea. And we might have been off mic, but I have a Roomba in my possession now because I signed it off out of Millis Library. So yeah. my <laughs> house, my house is thankfully cleaner. Thanks to libraries. Thanks to libraries. Thanks to libraries. <laughs> That's great. This sounds like such a fun project. It's been a blast. Yeah, it yeah. really is. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much for co for coming in today. Is there anything else you wanna let folks know about? No. I mean, get in touch with us on the website. We'd always love to hear about um, somebody's favorite library that they want us to visit. Our blog. We've been taking some guest posts about what makes for a special library. So there's there's other opportunities to engage with us, and hopefully we'll see people in uh, see you at the library. libraries around Massachusetts and beyond. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. All right.